Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Turn to somebody on your left and say, I'm glad you're here. Don't neglect your right. Turn behind you online. If you land on the couch, just speak at the TV. Say, hi, Pastor James. Just wave. Just be hospitable. You know, when a world is in crisis, there's a variety of ways that people handle it. Some people, when they experience any level of crisis, um, they have one of two responses. One is to fight or to have flight. Now, now the reality is that everybody predetermines what they think they will do in a crisis. Like, I, I know I'm going to fight. Well, maybe, 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 maybe not. Um, well, I know I'm going to run, but maybe, maybe you don't run because your baby's in the crisis and maybe you're not you know, hardwired to fight, but there's something that can throw you into the fight because you've been inspired and motivated to get into that fight. Now, contrary to popular belief because of some of the stories I tell you about my past behavior, um, I did not start out as a fighter. In, in, in fact, I, I, I'm, 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 a, I'm the guy who flees. Because whenever I discovered that there's something that can harm you, take my life, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I would run. In fact, my mom was trying to break me of running the whole, my whole life. Afraid of everything, the dark, of the people, cars, school, fear. I, 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 I am one that flees. That's been the dominant part of my life. And... When you, when, you, when you flee a lot, there are circumstances that really create the, the fear of, of doing anything like fighting. You think you're going to lose. And you think you're going to lose because you saw loss. You know, I, I have seen in my city um, people be beaten, their homes being broken into in broad daylight. And what it does to you psychologically, it just, disturb, it just messes you up. You know, uh, October 30th every year in Detroit is called Devil's Night. And so, you know, they would burn the city. The, the most amount of arsenic fires uh, were set in my city. It makes you overwhelmed. I saw a man beaten with a bat, laying there lifeless, and, and, and I, I remember saying, is anybody going to go out to help him? They said, no, it's not safe. So we all watched. No ambulance came. Uh, eventually, I don't know what happened to him, but it makes you flee. Sometimes your fear is your, your desire for yourself. So I know in society right now, it's, it's ambiguity of how we should feel about maybe authority figures, police, and different things like that. But the reality of growing up in my life, yes, those areas can use improvement, but by and large, I was taught if you have a uniform, you have a badge, you've been designed for my safety. And I'm, I'm appreciative of it. 
because that's who I look for when I'm wanting to flee. That's who shows up, so, you know, those who are kind of hardwired to run to trouble instead of running away from trouble. You know, this makes me think about um, 9-11, and I think about the first responders, and I think about how the first responders had to run into, you know, buildings, or they had to run toward the smoke, they had to run toward, so you got police officers, you have firefighters, EMT workers, and all running to something they know they may not come out of. That's why we title them heroes. Some people don't think that they deserve those type of titles, but if you've been a fleer instead of a fighter, you kind of need somebody to fight for you. And you look for those people. Because somehow, fighting for yourself just doesn't happen. As I reflect upon the scripture that we're going to get in today, I believe it helped me answer some questions about where I am now in life when it comes to fighting or fleeing. I, I believe that you might think you know how you will respond. But maybe today you might settle some issues because you see in the word what the right response should be in the situation. I pray that for you, you're able to see. I've been tempted to read these 10 verses to you, but I'm going to tell you the story title that we're going to read about, but then I'm going to line by line because I don't want you to miss anything. The story we're going to talk about, we all heard in Sunday school, it's about Zacchaeus. You might not find a reason to think you can get an answer to fight or flight here, but you will get that answer. Verse 1 says, he, meaning Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was uh, seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And Jesus looked up to the place and said, all right, let's just, let's just start right here. Let me, let me just set it up, you know, let me just set the scene. Jesus, let's just start with him. The Bible's kind of introducing this character, Jesus, to us, and who is Jesus? He's, he's everything you want him to be. He's uh, the best version of humanity. Uh, he's the, the, the prototype of what is right. He's the example that we want to follow. Um, he's always doing his father's work or about his father's business. He's headed to Jerusalem. He is not headed to Jericho. His intent is to pass through Jericho, but you're going to see in just a moment that he gets stuck what makes him get stuck, we're going, to, we're going to deal with that. I want you to understand that everywhere that Jesus went, and if you just look at the book of Luke, he was keeping a crowd, he was healing people, and he was doing miracles, he was preaching the kingdom, and he had it going on. 
And one of the things you notice before this text, there was a story about a blind man on the side of the road who called out to Jesus and was told to be silent, but Jesus saw him in his brokenness. Then no matter what plan did Jesus have for his life to go to Jerusalem, it did not prevent him from seeing a man in a broken condition. I want you to understand that you're introduced to someone who's never too busy for the little guy. He's never too busy to see about you. He's never too busy or too, too callous to think, well, you're already too far gone. What can I do for a blind person? Jesus always shows up, and he shows up with the right equipment. He knows how to respond. He is set up to make a difference. He's set up to intervene. He, he, he's set up to, to be the guy who can be the knight in shining armor. He's all right, but he's headed in a different direction of our story. Zacchaeus is the next person we have. Zacchaeus is the guy you don't want to know. Zacchaeus is the guy who will loan you money and then charge you 29% interest. The reason you're laughing is because you received one of those credit cards when you was in college, but you didn't know there's 29% interest on it. And you didn't know that that's ridiculous. And if now you have a credit card that's giving you 29% interest and you're not paying it off before it's time, I'm just telling you that's Zacchaeus. That's that bank guy that you're thinking, who charges 29%? Yes. This is the guy. Zacchaeus is the guy who's not just a tax collector. He's the chief tax collector. He's overseeing tax collectors. He's getting a piece of all the tax collectors' money that they're bringing in. You might be saying, what's the big deal with being a tax collector? We all have to pay the IRS. These are not ordinary tax collectors. They, they, they were farming the taxes. What that simply meant is they received their commission from Rome. Rome had the certain things that they wanted tax, And then they said, you make your money on top of that. So they were hustlers. They was creating a shoe tax, a clothes tax. A, a you have four wheels versus two tax. They was making tax. They was figuring out reasons to tax you. And every time you saw the tax man and he saw that you had something that elevated in your life, he said, we need to tax that. The tax man was not liked. The tax man, I'm, I'm going to use a strong word, he was hated. People hated him. The tax man is not only considered a sinner, he's considered a sinner to the degree that if you talk to him outside of the business relationship, you are unclean. You can't even worship God. He makes you dirty because he's dirty. You don't interact with these kind of guys. So you got Jesus who's doing everything good, seeing everybody, and then you had Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus... The Bible begins to tell us in the story earlier that he did some things that, that were out of the ordinary for a rich person. Like when you have your Sunday best on, and you have your good clothes on, your nice shoes that you paid a lot of money for that you only wear a few times a year, you don't go climb a tree. Like, you don't climb a tree. This is out of the ordinary. This is not like, oh, this is not like your son saying he's going to climb a tree. This is a grown man climbing a tree. 
what would you think if you pulled up to the front of the church and you saw me up in the tree? You'd be like, what's wrong with him? I love my pastor, but man, somebody get him out the tree. It's not ordinary to see, but the Bible says he was low in stature. I'm going to tell you, if you're in a society that's already not tall, and then you're considered low in stature, it could create some insecurity in you. I guarantee you that even though he was rich, it couldn't cover up his insecurity. The Bible is pulling out the fact that he was a small man on purpose, because when you are small, sometimes you got to overcompensate. The Bible says he was seeking an opportunity to see Jesus. This word seeking here was continuous. He, it was a crowd around Jesus, and he's trying to, I got to get in. 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 He realized something, however. Being in the crowd was a very dangerous, dangerous place for him because everybody hated him. The Judaizers might knife him. The Roman soldiers that knew he had money and it was going to take, they, they said, that's a good opportunity to rob him. We robbing other people. Robbers always rob each other. He knew this. He knew he had some nice stuff on, didn't want to get it muddy. He knew that the crowd would start screaming, unclean, unclean, unclean. He knew that he didn't have the bars of his booth to protect him. Um, he, he knew that he didn't have insulation. He knew that he wanted to see Jesus, but you know what? He wasn't set up in a good circumstance, so he did something Probably without thinking about it, I would say. You just wouldn't climb a tree in your good clothes. His desire to see Jesus was so overwhelming, the brother man climbed the tree. It's a sycamore tree. Don't think about going straight up. This is a tree with some long branches or whatever. And, and so he's out there in the tree. And one thing I think that Zacchaeus wasn't keeping in mind when he climbed that tree, if he was trying to keep a low profile, this was not the way to do it. If he was trying to make sure that he stayed out of harm's way, this is not the way to do it. Zacchaeus is demonstrating some real desperate behavior. What is it in him? The Bible, when the Bible's using the term that he was seeking Jesus, he wasn't just seeking to, to just look at what was going on. He was trying to find out if there was something in Jesus' life that was for him. He'd heard the stories. He'd heard about Lazarus being raised from the dead. He heard about all the people getting good. He heard that this guy does hang out with tax collectors. He likes me. I don't know. In a funny sense, I would like to think that maybe he was trying to get up in that tree to be visible, but the Scripture doesn't say that. Say he was just, he was just seeking Jesus. And he, gets, and he gets to the point, and and put the scripture back up because I want you to see this. Because something significant happened in verse 5. Something changed from just an ordinary story being told. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up. And he said to him, he looked up. I want you to know that if you're going to be a first responder, you're going to have to practice seeing sinners. He looked up. He didn't look down. He didn't look around. He, remember in the first, in, 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 in the story I told you first about the blind man, he looked down at the guy at the road. 
But Jesus is showing the wide range of his, his desire to interact with people. He's looking up and he's stopping. His intent is to pass through a city that doesn't love him, a city that could hurt him. In fact, let me just pause right here. See, I know Jericho. We remember Jericho is the first city we, that, that, that Joshua took and all of that kind of stuff. I've been to Jericho accidentally. You know, you accidentally get to Jericho. I was in a car with Pastor Rice, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Tim Johnson. We were, we were driving, and we were trying to get to Jordan, but we didn't end up at the Jordan. We ended up in Jericho, but we accidentally ended up in Jericho. And so we're driving to Jericho. I'm not thinking anything of it. And, 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 we're, and, we're, and we're driving, and the security comes, and it, it's a checkpoint, says, and everybody says, get your license out. Get your passport out. And I said, well, I left my passport in the hotel. Like, why do I need it out in the desert? And now I'm already panicked because they're yelling at me, and uh, they're pastors, and I'm supposed to yell at other pastors. They say, what's wrong with you? You got to stop. You're going to get a search. Sure enough, not having that sent us to the next checkpoint. Now we're deep, deep in some type of barricade. And the people have guns. And I said, what am I going to do? They said, we don't know. I mean, it's like, and, 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 and the problem is, I want you to know, just so I can help you understand, I'm relating this to the hostile territory um, that the hostility that can be there. And I, I want you to understand that at this point, I had been so happy to be in Israel that I was claiming that I was Jewish because the scripture said, he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, but inwardly, you know, showing the circumcision of the hearts. So I was saying, I'm a Jewish, claiming Jewish roots. And so I was really happy to be there. And we were in a Jewish car, it was a license plate. And just to put some context into this, put my sign up here. I want you to read this sign out loud. Put my little sign up. Okay, that's Jericho. My next one, my red sign. I want you to read the bottom of that. Read that. Yeah, that's there now. And so they come to my window and they tell me to roll it down, and they stick the AK-47 right in my face, and they start yelling at me. Are you Jewish? Are you Jewish? I'm just paralyzed. Because <laughs> I've been saying I was Jewish. <laughs> I don't know what to say. So I said, I ain't Jewish. I'm from Detroit. I'm from, I'm just from Detroit. And they, you know, so they said I got the Jewish license plate and everything, and then that helped. Save my life. Because I'm a fleer, not a fighter. When the trouble comes, I figure a way to get out of it. Because you can think you will fight until the fight comes to you. As soon as we drove away, Pastor Rice said, 
I love my bishop, but he said to me, he said, Jane, what happened to being Jewish? I said, Pastor Rice, it's not important right now. The important thing is that we're alive and we're headed to Jordan. You made the mistake of bringing us to Jericho. We should deal with that, okay? Bishop, I love you. He looked up. See, when you want to be a real first responder, you have to practice seeing sinners. Jesus was alert. Jesus was aware. Jesus was looking around because even though Jesus had a mission in Jerusalem, even though he had a plan to be in Jerusalem, he could be interrupted for a person. He was never off duty. Even an off-duty officer is available to respond. An off-duty fireman is available to respond. An off-duty EMT is available to respond. They don't run from, they run to. And, and he says to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, just look at it, I want you to, I want you to miss it. He says, Zacchaeus, hurry down, come down. I must, I'm going to come stay at your house today. Zacchaeus had to be shocked. Nobody likes him. Nobody sees him. He has a big house. Nobody wants to stay there because he robbed everybody to get the house. He can seek us. And he says, Zacchaeus. I don't believe that he called his name like others called his name. I think they used to call his name like a curse word. Zacchaeus. Zach. Hey, Zach. Jesus called his name with a different tone. It was warm and inviting. It was full of purpose and dignity. Zacchaeus, I know who you are. Do you know your name means pure? I know your life looks corrupt. And I know everyone in the crowd wants to kill you. But you're pure. You're in a city you love in a city that also hates you. You're pure. But then Jesus, when he steps into your life and knows your life's in trouble, he responds with the level of urgency that it takes. I want you to see this. He said, hurry down. Hurry and come down. Come, come, come get with me. Because you've exposed yourself, Zacchaeus, and all these people want to kill you. Got to catch it. This is the crowd that doesn't like him. Jesus is willing to actually change his plan and go stay with this man. Calls his name Zacchaeus. Do you remember the first time that Jesus called your name? Do you remember the first time that maybe he didn't use your name, but he actually called you and he made himself known to you and he made himself very personal to you? Do you remember where you were? Do you remember that he's calling Zacchaeus when he's still 
dead in his trespasses and sin, dead in his, in his wrong behaviors. He's an inquirer. He's, he's a seeker. He's, he's tr- trying to know, but he hadn't crossed over fully yet. But he calls his name. And it's like, as he's calling his name, he's, he's already applying the medicine just by noticing him. When he called his name, he, 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 he's saying that I see you. I remember when I were, where I was when Jesus called my name. I was at a party. I was partying. I was doing what I wanted to. And it's like somebody tapped me on my shoulder and said, James, and I didn't see anybody touching me. And I was so disturbed that I left the party and I began to hear the Lord talk to me about my life. Have you ever heard him call your name? Perhaps he's calling your name because he's designed to change his plan to stay in your space. Jesus is not trying to get in and get out. Jesus is not doing like a casual little play where, you know, to show yourself hospitable. You say, hey, let's do coffee, but you never intend to do coffee because you don't even drink coffee. You drink tea. (laughs) Jesus is not playing a game with him. When he says, I'm coming to stay at your house, he's saying, I'm going to come and I'm going to hang out with you. I'm going to talk with you. I'm going to get there at the table. I'm going to lean in like we do. We're going to dip out of the same bowl. You know, we're going to pass the bread. We're going to be entertained. We're going to just act like we're close friends and family. Zacchaeus, I want to have fellowship with you. I want to have kononia with you. I want to have deep interaction with you. And I I know I had a plan to be in Jerusalem because I got an appointment with death. Because he had just said just a few verses before, I'm headed to Jerusalem to be spit on, to be rejected, to be abused, to be killed. He could have had a lot of things on his mind, but right now what's on his mind is his purpose for being on the planet, a person. He said, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to wait on the praise or the pain that's waiting on me. I'm, I'm, I want to hang with you. I love that Jesus never was too busy. Are you and I too busy for people? I mean, who, who, who had a bigger job than Jesus? Who, who? You never have time to eat with anybody? You never have time to convene a table? Jesus is not actually using this opportunity to say, you know, you're wrong, shady. You're right. I know I got word of knowledge. You robbed him, him, and him. And I could tell you some other stuff you did, Zacchaeus, you horrible little man. That's why I had to make you small. You were thinking small, and I had to make you small. You know, Jesus is not coming at him straight. Jesus is convening the table. He's not using the mob to to say, let's take over. Let's get something back out of him. He seems to be sticking to his plan. And I know in the human condition, one of the reasons that we never convene a table is because we rather fight each other. I'd rather talk about our differences. I'm not going to begin to have a relationship with you until you repent or until you say I'm sorry or or, 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 or until somebody deals, deals with the, the stuff that's in the way. But Jesus hasn't dealt with anything. Say, I'm going to fellowship with him. And everybody knows he's shady. 
Jesus knows that, that, that hanging out with a sinner is going to make him unclean. Jesus knows that this is going to create people talking about him. But I love that he was a brave believer. He was a brave Christian. He was a brave Lord. He wasn't worried about how society would look at him because he crossed the aisle, because he talked to somebody in a different political party or somebody that, 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 that believed opposite of his beliefs or did crazy and wrong stuff. He condescends to men of low degree. He, he, he interacts with them. How about us? Can we actually become men and women that will cross barriers and cross boundaries and begin to hang out with each other and convene a table of peace instead of a table that argues? Sometimes we can't wait to get at someone's table because we want to get them face to face so we can give them a piece of our mind. Jesus I'm going to stay with you. Here what the crowd, look what the crowd did. He said, he said, hurry down, I'm going to stay with you today. Verse 7 said, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. He didn't go on to the, be the guest at the sinner's house. He didn't lost his mind. This grumbling is constant. It's in the perfect tense. It's never ending. He said, it's not some of them, it's all of them. It's the people who were following him, it's the people who, who were extorted, it's the people who, who were confused. Everybody just started passing along the same complaint. How many times have we been in society, you don't even know what's going on or who you should be mad at, you're just mad at whoever the whole group is mad at. Yeah, yeah, they crazy. You don't know, you don't know the policies. You don't know if you should be upset or not. You don't know if it aligns with the Bible or not. You just didn't jumped in with a group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who they, who, Jesus is unimpeachable in his character. He, he's, he's pretty phenomenal. And yet, in a moment, after all of the miracles and all of the talk, the crowd starts going a different way than Jesus. Who do you listen to? Who do you follow? Who's taking you away from the table instead of to the table? Because the murmuring and the complaining, if it enters your social media, if it enters your life, if it enters your heart, it will not bring you to a table. It will bring you in, at odds with somebody. Are you looking forward to who you can disagree with? Murmuring, there they go. Doesn't he know? Getting to the table with Jesus is the solution to a lot of stuff. I'm going to prove it to you. Look at verse 8. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'll restore it fourfold. Zacchaeus realizes the severity of the situation. He's got a crowd that's about to turn on him and Jesus. He realizes that he can no longer be a closet believer. He realizes that he had begun to believe and said, you know, I've been given to the poor. He said, but wait, wait a minute. I know that's not enough. If I, and with this if, I mean, I have defrauded y'all. I have cheated y'all. I have hurt you. And I'm willing to give you back the Levitical uh, command four to five times what I took from you. See, he's not only confessing his sin, he's not only turning from his sin, he, he's forsaken, but, but guess what? He's giving restitution. One of the things that causes people not to believe our confession or our repentance is there's no restoration. There's no restitution. There's no sense that I need to fix what I broke. 
See, when you really repent, you know he's having a revival. He's letting this crowd know, I don't know if y'all have declared Jesus Lord of your life, but I didn't call it. He's Lord. He's not just somebody. I don't want you to be confused about where I stand. I think you've been seeing me in the tax collector booth. You've been seeing me in my worst condition. But this man speaking me, speaking my name, coming to my spaces, seeing me, that's changing me. Now he confesses and he repents. Verse 9, last two verses. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to your house since he also is the son of Abraham. No one in that crowd wanted this guy to be considered a natural or a spiritual son of Abraham. There are people we would like, we would like if a lot of people to get, become believers, but we don't want them to actually come to this church. I mean, they don't fit. This is the church in general, not just Bethel. Just sometimes we, we got people, we want them to get to the Lord, but we just don't want them to get too close to us. We're not trying to be mean, but it's just I got my preferences. I got, you know, I, I, they're touching stuff. They don't smell, ooh, stinky food. It's just, I, I, I just, I mean, I don't want to be unspiritual, but I don't like people. I can't get them to the table because I like to eat alone. This is a son of Abraham. He's family to you. Jesus said, this is your family. The reason you don't like what's going on is because y'all are not acting like family. Jesus is not just trying to correct Zacchaeus. He's trying to correct the crowd. He's trying to say, y'all ain't thinking right. Because, see, he doesn't run from a fight. He doesn't run from a crisis. He doesn't run from Jesus is in the middle of a crisis with the crowd. These crowds tend to turn into mobs that say crucify him. He know that their words can change from blessing to cursing in a minute. He know that he can be blessing them and they want to throw him off a cliff. He know that it can shift, but it doesn't cause him to run away from the battle. Jesus not only is a first responder, he's turning into a hero. To respond is one thing. To like stay in the fight and win the fight is another. You're a hero, Jesus. Finally, first four said, for this, for the Son of Man came to seek and save, that's the lost. You know, you can look at the scriptures of the Bible and think this is the most important one or this is the one that brings me most joy or I love this one the most. It's hard to ignore this being in your top five, three, or maybe one. It's hard. Because if he never came you'd be damned. If he never came, you'd be lost in your heart. If he never came, you wouldn't realize, Zacchaeus, how to become pure like your name. If he never came. But he didn't just come and say, I hope you find me. He said, I came to seek the lost. I came to interact with pain. I came to meet men in crisis. This is what I do. And I don't just meet them. I'm coming with healing. I'm coming with breakthrough. I'm coming with deliverance. And you might be saying right now, what does this have to do with me, Pastor James? 
because he's given us an opportunity to live like he lives and love like he loves. And, and perhaps this whole story is asking us a question. Are we going to fight for someone else's life or are we going to flee because it disrupts our life or I love the Amber Alert system that's created that saved over a thousand children. Because when we get those alerts on our phone, we know that in our area, someone's in trouble. We need to be alert to look for them. A spiritual Amber Alert has been sounded on this planet. All around you, are people. They're not just the down and out like the blind guy on the road. They're the up and out. They're your boss. They're your principal or your counselor. They're the governing official that maybe you're mad at, but you're supposed to reach them instead of be mad at them. Maybe they're the police officers. We'll reach them. Don't fight them. Who is the prominent person in your life that you might not see because you had other plans? You were going to Jerusalem. You were going to work. You were going out of town. You don't see them. Jesus is inviting us to be first responders. Jesus is inviting us to actually be a hero because Zacchaeus did not think his life counted or mattered. When Jesus, you can stand to your feet, when Jesus met me and got me out of that party that night, as I stood by somebody with a bat waiting to out of fear, do violence. Hearing my name again. All, Jesus calls our name a lot before we hear it. I can, I can remember, it's hard to remember my life was headed a different direction. But he saw me. He stayed with me. I remember dropping that bat and dropping to my knees and crying out to him and surrendering in the moment, saying, Lord. There are two types of people, I believe, that are in the room. I want to pray for you. There are those who have been seeking to figure out whether this Jesus is the real deal and it's for you. And I'm here to announce he is, and he knows your name, and he wants you. Come to him. And then there are those who thought that our identity was to ignore or to flee or to move out of harm's way or to just kind of keep our life neat and safe until Jesus comes back in a cloud and gets us. Instead of responding, we avoid Instead of convening tables, we 
We never have anybody at our table. Never. We never have a new person at our table, let alone a broken person. Jesus is actually asking you, will you join me in responding to people? And your actions, the first thing that Jesus did when he, he ran into broken man was he, he sought Adam. He sought Zacchaeus. He seeks you and I, and he invites us to seek people with him. I'd like my ministry team to come down, and I'm going to make it real simple today. I'm going to just pray, and at the end of my prayer, if you feel like you need prayer for anything, anything we've talked about or anything in your life, at the dismissal, you just slip up here. If you're new to Bethel, I'll be over at Guest Central. I'd love to meet you. I'm going to pray for you, Kristen to sing, and Pastor Bryson will dismiss us. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for everyone under the sound of my voice that they would not feel like they're unseen in this room or neglected. You neglect no one. You're never too busy. I pray just like you saw Zacchaeus and you called his name, that they would hear you maybe for the first time calling their name, calling them out of the darkness into the marvelous light or calling them back home or calling them to purpose. God, the second group I pray for is those of us who have resigned ourselves never to convene a table, to run from every opportunity to respond to the pain of society, to always say, I don't have time. Break us free. Break us free. Free us from that self-centered mindset. Free us from that demonic hold. Break us free and may we confess today in our seat or down here at the altar, that I'm free to love and live. As she's singing, if you want prayer of any kind, just come now.